there's this whole sacred secular myth that uh, plagued me uh, for a good part of my part of my life. And this, uh, when I learned some life-changing truth about how God could use me as a young sergeant in Korea, uh, teaching soldiers how to use their protective masks was pretty much my daily bread and butter and taking care of those masks and maintaining some other equipment. Um, when I learned that uh, God could use me to meet the needs of my neighbors, which were my the military police soldiers in the unit that I was assigned when I found out that my work was significant, that God was present with me, that God was had prepared me and was working in me and through me to love my neighbors through my work, and that that work had eternal value, that changed my life. Welcome to the podcast of the Kirby Lang Centre for Public Theology in Cambridge. Public theology is about how the very good news of Jesus relates to all of life. Our podcast is titled Christianity for the Everyday, dispatches from and for our daily lives. We like to quote Gerard Manley Hopkins' statement that Christ plays in 10,000 places. In our podcast, we aim to find those myriad ways in which Christ plays in our lives so that we can play alongside him. Join our team and invited guests as we explore Christianity and the everyday, from the most mundane aspects of our lives with their hidden glory to geopolitical issues that impact upon them. Greetings, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Christianity for the Everyday. Thanks for giving us a listen. Um, we are a podcast of the Kirby Lang Center for Public Theology in Cambridge. And to learn more about our work and our resources, please head to kirbylangcenter.co.uk and sign up for our email list. That's, that's the bread and butter. You'll hear about everything. Or you could join our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. Today um, on the show, we have Russell Gerline. He is the author of Emmanuel Labor, which, by the way, is just the play on words for sure of the century. Emmanuel Labor, God's presence in our profession, a biblical, theological and practical approach to the doctrine of work. So, again, the book is called Emmanuel Labor, God's presence in our profession. A biblical, theological, practical approach to to the doctrine of work, and I just love that part when he said practical. Man, there is so much um, theory, and there's not many there's not many practitioners out there. What I love about Russell's, he's not Pastor Russell. He's not <laughs> you know he's not um, uh, Professor Russell as such. He's Sergeant Russell. Russell, in fact, um, he's a he's a military man. So we'll get into that story, but. Um, he, I mean, labor, vocation, work, this is his wheelhouse, been the author of dozens of priceless articles for the likes of the Institute for Faith, Works, and Economics, Forum Deo, the National Institute for uh, Faith and Work, Made to Flourish, Gospel Coalition, all, all stuff we really, um, really like. So, Russell, thanks for joining us. If you could just open us up, please give us a 
give us a pretty good overview of who you are and how you got there and and what you uh, what you find compelling. Wow, that's a great introduction. Jason, thank you. I'm so blessed to be able to do this and talk about my talk about theology, talk about what God is doing in the world through his people, through men and women, ordinary men and women with ordinary jobs like you and I. And uh, and, and not to say that those who are in full-time vocational Christian work aren't ordinary. They're extraordinary. They're also ordinary. And they have the same challenges in some ways that the rest of us have. But uh, there's this whole sacred secular myth that uh, plagued me uh, for a good part of my part of my life, and this uh, when I learned some life-changing truth about how God could use me as a young sergeant in Korea, uh, teaching soldiers how to use their protective masks was pretty much my daily bread and butter, and taking care of those masks and maintaining some other equipment. Um, when I learned that uh, God could use me to meet the needs of my neighbors, which were my the military police soldiers in the unit that I was assigned, uh, when I found out that my work was significant, that God was present with me, that God was had prepared me and was working in me and through me to love my neighbors through my work, and that that work had eternal value, that changed my life. Absolutely. Um, so let me just give a one over the world, uh, you know, where I came from. I was great. Uh, I was saved at the age of 17 in high school through a Youth for Christ Christmas party. And I uh, went to college, to a university, there's that secular thing, to Colorado State, which, again, uh, I, I prayed about, no idea why I was there. Uh, a year later, I met my who the lady who became my wife, so that was pretty a good decision, right, that God led me. And God's been just leading me all the way through my entire Christian life, uh, you know, for the last 40 uh, seven years, I guess. So I uh, went to Colorado State, got my four-year degree in math, taught high school math for a couple of years. At the same time, I was in my church doing youth ministry and uh, saw some success and had some good mentoring from a professional seasoned youth pastor. So I, uh, when my wife finished school a couple of years later, while well, we packed everything up in a five-by-eight trailer and moved to Portland, Oregon to go to Western Baptist Seminary, I was going to be a youth pastor and all excited about that. And um, it was a rough go. And uh, you know how things are sometimes when you're married. Once in a while, you might have a, a child. And so, surprise, there we were, uh, this beautiful daughter God gave us, and uh, he's 37 now. And But I knew that that was the end of my seminary career at the time. Um, wife was going to stay home and take care of the baby. I needed to get some work. So after, you know, a number of things, you know, there I was, faced with a, a crossroads. You know, and, and to recap, at this point, I had studied math, I was going into ministry, and it got brought to my attention the military, three things that begin with them. Um, and in so March of 86, I went to basic training, and I thought, oh, I'll join for three years, get my feet on the ground, uh, get some medical benefits, get a good paycheck, um, you know, serve, and then go back to seminary, you know. Um, and three years became six more and six more, and before you knew it. I put in 20 years, six months, and 17 days, but who's counting as an active duty soldier retired at the age, uh, retired at the rank of master sergeant. So that's my story. It's a very windy story, a unique story, but, you know, through, I'd say, the, you know, a good portion of that, um, I understood uh, God, more of God's purpose in this windy path that he put me on. So I think I'll stop there. 
Yeah, Sergeant Garline, uh, th uh, thank you for that. That was, uh, yeah, you know, fascinating life story that you've got. And I love the way that you kind of wound, uh, you know, found yourself writing on this topic. Uh, just as it turns out, feel a little bit of a connection with you. My last uh, six or eight years, my focus has been on the ethics of warfare and my writing and, and thinking and uh, arguing. One of the main things that I've argued is that the, the vocation of being a warfighter is an honorable vocation and can Good. be done in, in a way that honors God and glorifies God. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you, you know, there's just been this um, debate, uh, especially over the past hundred years about, you know, what's more important, Christian words or Christian deeds. And you've got a lot of Christians who lined up and just said, Christian words are the most important, you know, sharing the gospel with people one-on-one -on -one, preaching mm. almost to the exclusion of the things we do every day. Mm. And, and then of course, in the liberal tradition, you've got the opposite misemphasis. You've got yeah. folks who focus on, you know, good deeds and, and there's very little speaking the, the gospel to people, but you know, it does seem that the church's testimony uh, has always been that words and deeds come together. Not every Absolutely. word is accompanied by a deed, not every deed is accompanied by a word, but could you talk to us a little bit about how our deeds in the workplace can either honor God or dishonor him. You could use your own vocation as a, you know, in the past as a warfighter or your current vocation or just hypothetical. How, that, how that's a great, good witness? Yeah. great, great question. I, I'm going to try mm -hmm. to my best to focus on that. Um, yeah, I, I am all about words. Um, you know, the written word has become very important to me as I've written, you know, close to 200 articles on faith and issues, which is really surprising because I was not born to my knowledge, was not born to be a writer. You know, I got a math degree in college, for goodness sakes. You don't write papers as a math, math student. And, and uh, but so, yeah, words are important. And I, with the gift of encouragement and teaching, yeah, words are very important. You know, a small group, I'm not a, you know, stadium, talk to stadium full of people kind of guy, but uh, I've taught Sunday school for dozens of years in, in all the places that we've served in the mills. And, um, we, you know, so words are absolutely important, but you're right. Um, actions, you know, we heard actions speak louder than words. And I think that's a biblical principle. It certainly doesn't contradict anything in scripture. Um, and, and I don't know who it was. I'm terrible at remembering exact quotes and who said them, but uh, there's, there's a quote that, that it's well known, you know, share the gospel often and when necessary, use words. Um, and, and we do that by living out the gospel. In, in terms of, you know, living out the gospel at work, absolutely, it's, it's all about actions. It starts with an understanding that uh, God placed you there to, to do a purpose. He's going to provide your needs, so you owe something to your employer. And he calls us, uh, for, I mean, in Colossians 4 and Ephesians uh, 5 and 6, 5 talks about how we have to submit to our employers and to work uh, for them as we work under Christ, because Christ is a our own authority. So it starts with a, a, a submissive attitude towards our employer, whether he's younger than us, um, not as smart as us, um, maybe someone with flaws, and we somehow submit to that as unto the Lord, and then do our work faithfully um, and, and to, to, to fulfill the, the tasks that we're given to the best of our ability. Um, and and just, it's all about, you know, being faithful. Uh, so I think absolutely, no matter what uh, field that we and um, yeah, there's a there's another quote. It's in my book um, from a, a and her name's escaping me right now, but she was a fiction writer, um, probably 1800s, 1900s, and wrote uh, some some great things. 
Dorothy Sayers, thank you. <laughs> Why work? Um, she said, you know, something to the effect, and 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 I may be uh, confusing her quote with Martin Luther, but you know, what what should what should Christians do? Is it you know not cuss, not get drunk, not you know try to do all these, not do these things like the world does, or should they just work hard and they should they should make good things? Um, Jesus was a carpenter; he made good things in that very secular, worldly, physical manual labor occupation. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I remember that. I remember reading that article by Sayers and she said she was mad about it. She's like, I, I dare not say that a, you know, a, uh, a crooked table ever came out from the <laughs> shop of that great carpenter, you know, yes. even though it, he might've been more of a Mason, but what, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there wasn't <laughs> um, much wood in the desert. Right? <laughs> but um, I just want to go straight for the jugular on this. The, the simple fact is we most, I, I think just the prevailing um, idea is if you're a, if you want to get like, quote, quote, serious about Jesus and your faith, you're going to be a pastor or a missionary. That's just, the, that is just, it's a given. It's like conventional Christian wisdom. Yeah. And, and I will say this, I'll add this. When I, when I'm praying, I actually feel more Christian than when I'm doing an Excel sheet. So can you please give us what, what's, what's, what's up? What's the truth? Is it, is it more sacred to in fact be a pastor or, you know, whatever, or is it, you know, on the same footing if I'm a a welder or a stay-at-home mom? Wow. That's powerful. I, I, I know that they're, uh, you know, I tried to tear apart myths in, 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 in my book and in my theology of work is that, uh, you know, I grew up in, in fairly conservative churches and it was, it was taught that you're right. Uh, the, the most important thing that you can do as a Christian is going to full-time Christian work. And for me, it was, you know, pushed by staff of campus crusade for Christ at college. You need to go on staff. You need to go do this full-time and, or, you know, or go to seminary and be a pastor and that's cool too, or be a missionary or something. And you're right. That that we we tend to elevate that, put that on a pedestal, and yeah. and and downplay the other work. Why? Because uh, secular work. There's this myth again: secular versus sacred. That um, that is not going to last. And I remember hearing sermons, probably multiple sermons, that you know secular work is is like this. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic as it's about to go down. Right. There's no value in doing that. It's just going to go down anyway, yeah. right? Um, it's all good. And, you know, with good intentions, it's kind of based on set, uh, Second Peter that talks about how the earth is going to burn at the end. And that, you know, but is it going to be destroyed or is it going to be transformed mm. as in purified? I think that's the yeah. translations that we tend to lean towards and that I've been reading. At. So, so, yeah, um, just because the things that we work with are not are not of eternal value. It doesn't mean they don't have eternal value. Uh, a great example. Oh, the guy. Yeah. yeah, jump in. No, I was just amening you there. And, and thank you, one. brother. So great example. I, I I wrote an article on this, and and because I'd uh, flown in airplanes occasionally, and I'm telling you what the guy who does the ordinary job of thing and you know screwing rivets, you know metal rivets to sheet metal. And constructing this airplane, 
and making sure it works and following the designs and all the avionics and everything in there. All that work is important because the people on that airplane that's going to fly eventually have eternal value. And, you know, maybe if, if they do poorly, then they'll send people to heaven or hell quicker. I'm not sure how that is a good thing. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? They, they are loving their neighbor by doing excellent work and paying attention and making sure that they don't miss a, miss a hole and, and leave something unfastened. Um, and, and here's another great example. When your kid gets sick, and you've got a few kids, and I've got adult kids and, and five grandkids, when they get sick, you know, a Christian parent is, the first thing they do is pray. God, pray for healing for this young son, daughter. Then they pick up the phone or they get in the car and they take them to the doctor or the hospital and they get looked at and they want to see that God is going to answer their prayer to heal their child. And God is going to work through the doctor, through the nurses, through the person uh, filling out paperwork at the front desk and all the insurance people behind the scenes and the, the nurses and the janitors that work in that hospital to help bring healing to that child. And yeah. God is, we, in our secular vocations, God works through us to meet the needs of those around us. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it has eternal value. All work. Yeah. So, you know, so when I was uh, teaching, I taught a, a, a course on doctrine vocation. And I would uh, teach my students three questions to, questions to ask, just really basic ones. But, you know, what would God's creational design be for this kind of job? Number mm. one. Number two, mm. how can our sin and idolatry corrupt the way we do our job? Mm. Uh, and then third, in light of Christ's redemption, how can we do things right way instead of the wrong way? How can we make right what's been done wrong mm. and, and so forth? I was wondering if we could talk for a minute about just kind of for those people out there in podcast land, they're in a journey right now in podcast land, and they've stopped for a moment at this podcast to see the sites. What let's talk about, can you give us an example of a person approaching their vocation in the wrong way? Like a, a real life example, like, um, you know, I think most of the time it, it tends to be a little too simplistic, such as, well, Take a man, for example, uh, you know, the way you do your job is you don't steal from your job and don't have sex with the secretary unless you're married, <laughs> to her. unless you're married to her, in which case we'll give you an exception. You know, you got a clause in your contract. Um, but it, it's more than that, right? It's more than Absolutely. just not stealing and not, you know, yeah. doing something, you know, sexually immoral. Uh, can you give us an example of a vocation gone, gone wrong? I, I think... A lot of Christians are also that there's a, in addition to those myths, like, you know, setting the pictures on the Titanic. Another one is that, you know, the purpose of Christian of Christians going to work, if they're, if they're going to settle for that secular vocation, the purpose of that is to, is to evangelize. That's the main reason right. they're there. Another right. reason is they're going to earn money so that they can give 10% to the church. Yep. Um, and, and, and people go into that thinking that's the only thing I'm there for. Yeah. What about the talents that God gave you to get that job? Is there a purpose in it? Um, can you love your neighbor through your job? And if you miss the beforehand, the God, the 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 the, the journey, seeing how God's prepared you for this work, and and I I, I get it. Sometimes you got to take work that may not be a good fit. You may just have to jump in and take what's available, right? Mm. Get a fast food job. We've all you know been there, um, and 
it's not just young high school kids that, that do that. A lot of adults, you know, may, may or may not have had formal education, any kind of vocational training, you know, or just not quite sure what they're really good at for whatever reason, not confident. So they don't see that. But, but from a Christian perspective, we have to acknowledge that, that there, are, there are signs, there are indicators, uh, even as a young age, where we had interests and aptitudes and strengths and to see that leading up to the possibilities. And as we start exploring careers in junior high, you start thinking about that. God's in that. And then God, when he does allow you to have an interview and you win, win them over and you get the job offer and you're in there, now you've got this opportunity to, for God to not only to you know, work through those skills um, to not just succeed and climb the silly corporate ladder, but I, I, again, I'm going to keep going back to loving your neighbor through your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are bad ways to do it. Christian, when Christians don't understand God's purpose for work, when they think that they've just got to, I mean, if you go in a job thinking, you just got to share your faith all the time, you're not going to get your work done. <laughs> I have to do a lot of other things yep. besides sit and chat with people about their faith. Um, oh my gosh. so I have to be subtle. I, I fully, that was 100%, um, the the lie that i believed i was like okay well i'm not going to be a pastor so i'm gonna just share the faith around the water cooler and then i'm gonna um and i'm gonna you know send 10 percent like that was like that was that was the thing and it and i you know that was the only fuel and then i'm i'm even i you know i was part of a this christian organization that kind of the same they use the verbiage of staff like okay if you want to continue on the the optimal blessed road then you should definitely come on staff and continue in you know formal ministry but this was the language to say you know but oh oh what happened to john oh john he stepped down and took over his (laughs) his father's business oh sarah oh she's just a mom now that's she's only that She's so sub-Christian. And anyway, it's so cringy. But I think, I mean, I think my parents still probably adhere to this, like, just lie. And so the question for you is, like, as point blank, what can, what can, what can a, a common laborer or a mother or a welder or whatever, what can these people tell themselves what is truth from the Bible? Like, because it definitely feels more Christian when I'm having a Christian conversation than when Mm. I'm talking about, um, importing, you know, um, importing rubber from, you know, somewhere it it definitely, no matter what, it doesn't feel as Christian. So what, what we should, we remind ourselves and what should be our motivation? Like what, what's, what is the goal there? Wow. Good question. Really? I, to me, it, it boils down to loving my neighbor. And I, and I, I want to go back to this, um, Amy book. Why, uh, why work? No, that's the article we talked about. I have to look that up my, in the back of my, my bibliography, but she has this vocational model of, of and vocational model, uh, God's vocational model saying that God, how does God work today? I mean, how does he, work and he works through people and there are there are uh very any job you can put into various categories and 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 it take me a minute to find it you've got the you know the service work uh that 
you know, where people are meeting needs, whether it's picking up trash, whether it's serving food uh, and, and, you know, even retail sales, you could think about that. You've got, uh, you know, justice work. I think those of us in the Department of Defense at whatever level kind of do or participate in God's work of justice to, to bring peace and rightness in the world. Certainly the legal profession kind of mm-hmm. fall under that umbrella as well. Um, and then you got people that are do you know, revelatory work and whether it's be teaching um, math at a high school or, or preaching from the pulpit, um, revealing truth to others. And God does all these things through people um, to meet our needs. And, and I, I, I was challenged as I do, did all this reading. People are our holes. They're not just spirits. Yes. And I, and I'm, I need, I, I'm, I'm, the light has gone on. This is the key, Jason. People are spirits and not just spirits. They have that need healing and need restoration. They are minds that need to be fed. They are, they are psyches that, and the emotions. We need comfort. We need counseling. Um, and yeah, and, and, and social needs as well. So God uh, is one who meets our needs. He, ultimately, we look to, look to him to be the source. How does he do that? He does that through the wide, wide range of, of vocations that he put in the world that he called and equipped people to do to meet that range of human needs, whatever they happen to be, including but not exclusive of the spiritual. Mm. We're not just here to get saved and go to heaven. Yeah. We're here to be participants in the expansion of, of, of God's kingdom. You have to go back to Genesis 1, and let's, let's, let's talk about this, the, the creation mandate, the cultural mandate. You know, uh, Adam and Eve were called to uh, work together because they're both made in God's image, men and women working together, uh, not just to be fruitful and multiply. That, that's the fun part, right? But they were also called to 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 uh, to uh, expand and take care of and uh, God's kingdom and do it yeah. for Him. God yeah. created; He didn't stop there. He wanted it to be continued. He wanted civilizations to be formed. So He needed people to do the the farming, the gardening that they started out. And there were others that came along that discovered there were minerals in the ground. Hey, maybe we can have gold. We can have an economy now. Maybe we got and trees we could build things with maybe decade thousands of years later we got silicon chips we can make computers but that's all part of discovering okay. and exploiting the creation that god had intended all along for us to create and and make civilization so that we'd have a we'd have people prepared yes. to uh to um do what god called us to do and all those things are important wonderful you know so i want to focus in again uh for a moment on the military vocation and the reason you know, I think it's exceptional in a couple of ways. Uh, one way that it's exceptional is that there wouldn't be such a vocation if there weren't sin in the world, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, but another way that it's exceptional is just how many people out there in podcast land are probably related one way or another to the military occupation. If you take the number of people who either have served or are serving, mm-hmm. and the number of people who are family members of mm-hmm. somebody who has served or is yeah. serving, pretty large portion of the population. Um, and so you're going to you reach as many people with this kind of a conversation as we would if we say, uh, you know, businessmen, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of those, too. I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but um, so I've done a little bit of work with uh, several of our military branches just as an ethicist. And with one of our branches, it was uh, special ops guys. And the, the problem that they had, they said they, there were two problems that they wanted me to help address in a uh, given situation. One is that a number of uh, their guys 
when they let their guard down and were talking with the chaplain, when they weren't around the rest of the guys, would say, I feel guilty that what I'm doing is inherently unchristian. Mm-hmm. So these were Catholic and Protestant guys saying that okay. they carried guilt with them about the yeah. fact that they a warfighter at all. And so my job there was to say, well, warfighting can be done in good or bad ways and for good or bad reasons, but mm-hmm. it is an inherently honorable vocation. God ordained yes. it. Yes, yes. Government, government power of the sword. The right. other um, thing that they wanted me to address was just uh, some of the, you know, uh, war crimes and such. Yeah, going against yeah. rules, of engage, rules of engagement and, and so forth. Yeah. Can you talk a little about, like, if you could go back into the army now, uh, I don't know when you entered, maybe in your twenties, I don't know, but if you went back now, um, I don't know, I thought it'd be fun for in podcast land. What are some things you would want to make sure that you did in order to do this vocation honorably? And then what are some like hypothetical things you want to make sure you didn't do? Well, that's good. Well, yeah, my story is a little bit different and I'm glad you brought this up. This is an unexpected opportunity. I, um, I look, I graduated from high school in 76. The nation had just come out of Vietnam. Uh, the people that joined the army back in 76 were those who were not capable to go to college, um, frankly, and they had any other options. And we just come out of Vietnam, so it just wasn't, in, you know, seen in a great light. Um, but, you know, <laughs> ironically, you know, 10 years after I graduated from high school, I can't go to my 10-year reunion because I'm in basic training. And uh, I, uh, you know, unexpectedly fell into this. So I really did not have, I had some preconceived notions as I think did my, my, my dad who was scratching his head when I decided to join the army and said, what are you doing? Because it, it, although honorable and, and maybe it's some glory look back at World War II, you know, and we saved the world and all that good stuff. But like I said, coming out of Vietnam, it just wasn't seen that way, even into the eighties when I joined in 86. So um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but I was surprised by the number of Christians that were in it. I was grateful for the chaplains that were in there. I'm still part of the army. I retired. I was in the army active duty from 86 to 06. So I retired 16 years ago this month. And I still work at the U.S. Army Chemical School, Leonard Wood, Missouri, where I'm working at the school headquarters. And I have soldiers that work for me every day, um, NCOs and, and officers. And yeah, so um, and I've done a lot of research, a lot of writing. I'm currently writing an article for the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics for Veterans Day. They asked me to write usually an article on Veterans Day and Memorial Day about the, you know, the, the value of those that work and, um, and, and the sacrifice that, that, that those people have made. But yeah, you're right. I, I, um, the work that I, I you know, would change, if anything, um, you know, I would be a little, be a little bit more atten- attention uh, to integrity on, on paperwork. I mean, there are we, we all do this and probably not surprised, but you know, when it's inspection time and you've got to, you know, show that you've uh, done what's needed to be done. Sometimes we, we call them pencil whipped things. Sometimes you, you write a memo, you get it signed and it's not exactly hundred percent truthful. Um, so those are the kind of things that I struggle with. Um, but, but, uh, you know, to pass inspections and the, the pressure, uh, not only from yourself to, 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 to not be embarrassed, but your, your command to make sure you don't look, make him look uh, bad too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there are soldiers that, especially special ops you mentioned, those guys are out there. They don't have a lot of supervision. They're having to do very dangerous things very quickly, fused chaotic environment. Um, 
and, and a Christian may be given an order that he doesn't really know whether it's a lawful order or not, doesn't have time to think, and he's told to take out a target another human being, and, and he does it without thinking because he's trained to do that. And those kind of things probably keep those folks awake at night and will probably haunt them the rest of their lives. And that's hard. That's hard for a Christian. But thankfully, you know, a Christian can um, find peace, can find forgiveness uh, despite all that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm in the process of really making sure my message gets out to soldiers. I think uh, Martin, the writings of Martin Luther were really important. He talked about, yeah, you're right. It appears that soldiers can can do unjust things. But like you said, the government is like a sword. And sometimes you've got to cut off a, a limb because it's it's uh, damaged. It's uh, gangrenous, right? Just in order to keep the, the, the body alive and certainly to um, eliminate enemies uh, for the health of civilization as a whole. Um, and God wants peace in this world. The way to keep peace is through strength. Um, so that's that. I think those kind of things help me um, in, in my participation with the army, really for the past thirty six years nonstop. And that that was uh, really helpful. I just have one uh, for me. One last uh, question. Jason probably has another one or two. Um, if you could recommend, so I want to just go ahead and recommend to everyone out there in podcast land to buy this book, Emmanuel Labor. You won't regret buying it. It's a um, relatively it's a manage very manageable read. It's not a long book and uh, very practically helpful. So I want to um, recommend that you do that. And then just ask uh, the author, are, are there any other resources you recommend, whether it's websites or podcasts or articles or books? If not, that's fine. But uh, no, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, I appreciate the plug on the book. It, it's a, it was definitely a labor of love. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I got a chance to explain much about the concept of a manual labor, but uh, other than being a, a good pun, and I appreciate Jason pointing that out, it really was um, kind of earth uh, life changing for me. But the idea is that in scripture, there's this biblical connection between God's presence and work, and that wherever we are, whether we full time vocational work or doing ordinary work, most of us do, um, God is present in our work and He has prepared us for it. He's called us to it, He provides it for us, He puts us in a place where we can be salt and light in society where the majority of people are in everyday uh, vocations, and they can see a difference in us and see how Christ works in us, the hope that we have, the uh, peace in the midst of chaos, um, the submission to authority when it's not easy to do. Um, so um, God has uh, God is present in our work. Uh, that's, that's a really important message. But I've got, this book came out about, I don't know, five years ago now. Um, and I have a, a, a blog so uh, I, I continue to write. There probably enough material there um, to uh, to uh, fill another book, but um, still trying to uh, to wrestle with that. But on it's a it's a WordPress blog. So www.regarline.wordpress.com. Uh, 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 um, and I put a, not just theology work. That's my favorite subject. I think I've two thirds of my articles are on theology work. The other third is on some other topics that I have enjoyed writing on and studying on, uh, the Old Testament and the New, um, a lot of things on even the Psalms. You have, you know, you've got a lot of the Old Testament that's quoted in the New Testament. And I discovered not too recently um, that the Psalms also, you know, there's portions of the Old Testament that refer back to the first part of it, to the Pentateuch, as it were, the first five books 
So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, topics that I, I, I enjoy studying and talking about and, um, and, and talk about forgiveness. And that's another pet, pet topic. And I don't think Christians walk in forgiveness and, and they don't experience God's presence because they're always walking around feeling guilty about sin, wondering I, if they're going to be judged for it, but because they don't have a basic understanding of atonement and totally. that their sins are as far as it's from the West. I'm Amen. with you. I feel like the job, like the nine to five, as well as forgiveness. I agree. I feel like those are the two main things that we, that we just don't hear about. I, you mm-hmm. know, I was, it's so ingrained in me. I was, when I was at church last Sunday, I was, <clears throat> we were about to sing. And then I, I was like, okay, I got to sort of whip myself up here. I kind of got and got to get ready. <laughs> and then I realized my default disposition was that God was kind of mad at me. And I was oh, like, gosh, yes. He's not That's mad common. at me. He's I'm his son with whom he's well pleased because I'm I'm clothed in his son. Yes. And I'm seated at the right hand of God. And it's not even I who live, you know. And when I do sin, it's sin in me. It's like then, <laughs> then you're like, wow. And then you could truly sing amazing grace and you don't have to whip yourself. Anyways, yes. I, oh, I, have, I have a few more questions about, about work. And um I think you brought up integrity. It's so funny because once I started to understand vocation and, you know, nine to five, if you will, I realized I think integrity is one of the chief components um, because I would, man, I was so hard for me. And this was like, this was an a weight on me. I couldn't stop just in the middle of emails, just going and scrolling on Facebook just for a few minutes, just to check it. And I think that's a common, I think that's the common sin that most Christian workers have who know. And I'm sure, I don't know, maybe there's some instance every once in a while, while it's okay just to break up the monotony, but you know, we all know when we're doing something in faith or not, or what, whatever the, you know, whatever. And I realized at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I'm stealing. I'm not getting paid to look at Facebook. (laughs) I'm stealing from someone. And, and that was crazy. But my, my question, oh oh yeah, I want to add this. It's actually really easy. No, I don't, it's easy to be ridiculed for your faith. Like, oh, are you a Christian? I could easily say, yeah, yes, I am. But it's much harder to, like I said, not go through Facebook. That is, that's really hard for me. You know what I mean? My own my own depravity loves to just drive. Mm -hmm. But my question for you is Mm. um, like you had mentioned as far as work, you know, you similar to the concept that Luther has of that often were the faces of God were the hands of of God, to people. Um, Another thing that I wonder though, is what about for those people who aren't, okay. You said like the guy who's riveting, putting a, a plane together. I think even pagans will be like, yeah, I probably should make sure I, you know, I don't want anyone to die on my watch. Like this sort of a <laughs> common grace there that exists. But what about mm. the, the, the guy or the gal who, who doesn't have any contact with anyone. So they're not necessarily loving their neighbors themselves mm-hmm. um, because they don't have the opportunity, but yeah. just is there value in good work done well, period, just intrinsic. If I was the only human on earth and mm. my job was to, um, you know, build a canoe, you know, is it, what is God's thoughts of me? If I'm, 
you know, does he want me to make like the best canoe, like with the best <laughs> wood? Does he want me to like kind of, I mean, is there intrinsic value in just the labor itself? Bef- like cor- Coram Deo, like before me and God and not necessarily mm. anyone else? What a great question. Great question. And, and, and you're right. Sometimes the jobs we have are, are we're isolated. And there's probably a lot of people that, that are like that, especially now in the, in the uh, coming out of the COVID pandemic and folks are, 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 are teleworking and there's not as much accountability. And you're right. There's no na- neighbor to judge or see at the, 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 the water fountain and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I, I think, look, um, I think chapter 11 of my book, we talk about, we talk about, you know, how do we work? And the Bible talks a lot about wise working uh, Proverbs and, and, and certainly Colossians and Ephesians talk about, you know, unto the Lord. And so, um, and so if you're an employee, an employer, there are things that you need to do to treat your workers. Well, you're an employee, there are certain things you've got to do to, to submit to your employer. So I would, I would say, yeah, that's a very close, very direct command. Um, you know, even if you've got your own company building a canoe, back to your, your great example, uh, is there a, a mandate to, to make it the best? Well, I mean, again, because ultimately the purpose of, of a that provides goods and services is to, to meet people's needs. So you don't want to provide a canoe that's, that's going to sink as they go down the, uh, the Boundary Waters canoe area from Minnesota and northern and southern Canada there. Um, you, you want uh, that to, to, to do well. So, not, but not to put pressure on it because I don't think, you know, then you get into pride, then you get into competition. And, and, and you're right, that can be a temptation as well. So I think the idea is just working as unto the Lord. And that, to me, when I go in and I, I tell my soldiers, sometimes we support and defend the Constitution one PowerPoint slide at a time. And, yeah. and, it, and sometimes, you know, the Army, we talk about taking care of soldiers. Sometimes we, we take care of one soldier. That's to work across the hall in the headquarters. He's a one-star general. And if we take care of him, he's able to take care of the entire, you know, tens of thousands of chemical soldiers around the world. And okay. in support of our nation's defense. So um, okay. our job is, is pretty important, even in a small briefing. So you just never know the, the small part that you play kind of fits into the bigger, the bigger it, picture. It's so, really a worldview. It, it's the way you, because you're, Christians are going to, who aren't pastors and missionaries, they're going to work. They're going to be working nine to five. And it's the same work, the same thing, but we, it's just, we need to have this, we need to view our, our, our vocation. So whether it is a a single, you know, a a mother or a stay at home dad or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. your, you know, your calling in life is, it's just, if you think, like you said, doing it under the Lord, that's a huge thing. You could filter all your labors work through, you know, and then it, um, and then it comes to like, you know, like back to the example of a canoe, it's like, well, you don't want to just turn out the quickest canoe in the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, because if, if Jesus was coming to my house and he's all, Hey, prepare me a canoe, you know, obviously I, I'm not gonna, I'd be worse than a pagan if I didn't take care of my family. So I worked three days straight and didn't come home. Okay. But at the same time, I want to mm-hmm. honor with the canoe. So I think integrity and just quality is yeah. huge when it comes to, you know, Christian work. And I remember when, when this first occurred to me, it was like, it was so, I was so happy, Russell. I, cause I always thought it was mass evangelism and sending money mm-hmm. um, as optimal Christianity. And then I remember one day I was, 
I used to write these um, like for a software development company, these user guides. They'd be like 200 mm. pages long. Wow. No one ever read them. They were just required. <laughs> and they were so, they were real technical. And I remember I formatted one, half of it incorrectly. Like I did like double spacing somewhere, but oh, then okay. the other half I didn't. And I think I wasn't so good at Excel that I, I forgot <laughs> how it went down, but I couldn't just do a quick fix. You know, and then I weighed the time. Well, is it, you know, would my boss be pleased or not? And I thought mm. it would, but no one would see it. And I, in, I remember the rapture I was caught up in thinking, oh my gosh, I'm about to be a Christian worker. And I went and I fixed it and I mm -hmm. made it good. And I said, Jesus, yeah. here is a user guide that I think is worthy of you. Yeah. I hope you wow. enjoy it. And I know he did. And beautiful. <laughs> that same day, that same day, another thing happened to me. This is kind of a weird story, but just bear with me. I went to the bathroom, you know, and it was like a community area, like um, a bunch of offices in this building. And I remember I peed on the toilet seat, right? As I'm prone to do. And um, I'm not going to lie. I Maybe it was just a few drops. So I thought, ah, oh, maybe I'll just sort of walk away. That, you know, as I the center in me is prone to do. But then I thought, wait a minute. If I was like in the garden of Eden before the fall, oh wow, I wouldn't have left that there. Right. Yeah, because there's no sin in the workplace. <laughs> the new heavens and the new earth. Yes. There's not going to be pee on the toilet seat. So I'm praying thy kingdom come. Oh. Kingdom will not have pee on the toilet seat and will not wow. have bad, badly for poorly formatted user guides. And Beautiful. so once I got Beautiful. that, I, I had such joy. Yeah. And so all that, this is a question. I know this is, I know you know this better than me because you've written 200 plus articles in a book. So I just want to close out asking you, why is this so important for you? Oh, gosh. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write so much. I'm going to do, a, I'm going to sit with these guys for an hour. We're not paying you. Like, why, why are you, why do you want to talk about this? Oh, what a great question, Jason. And I'd love your illustration. I mean, you really real illustrated the thing that the passage in Colossians 4 is like work for your boss, not for the Lord, not when your boss's eye is on you, even when it's not. So when no one's looking and, and yeah. you had, you brought that kingdom, kingdom mindset. That was just so beautiful. I think that I, I won't probably put that in any future articles. That's a great everyday illustration of a, of uh, dealing with sin in the workplace and, and a, a very real temptation. They're they're not always big things like adultery or stealing. It's yeah. it's little things in the bathroom or little things here. But why do I do this? Because number one, it has not been taught in churches a lot. Yeah. Um, I grew up with with these with these myths and 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 I. I got it up on the screen, but then I don't want to make your face go away because I, I, I think this is great. This is an audio podcast, but yet a real virtual conversation here. And you're in, 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 in where you are and I'm here and we're several hours apart and it's great. And it, so I think that comes out hopefully in the podcast, but mm -hmm. there's so much bad information put out. Like I said, evangelism is the only uh, uh, purpose for work and, and that it's all going to burn anyway. It's like, no, work Another the other big myth is that work is part of the curse. Holy cow, no. Work is harder because of the curse. Work was inherently good. Why? Because God did it. And I, I just wrote an article on my blog that, that to show how the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each are reflected in uh, Old and New Testaments, if you will, uh, uh, how they work and, you know, uh, display and, their and, attributes. And in Genesis, it says, 
and he, and this is before the fall. And it says, right. and he blessed them. Like yes. work is a blessing. That's it's why a blessing. You know, when yes. you're, when you're out of a job for, you know, like, uh, you know, three months when you're like 22, you actually feel you're like, Oh, I don't, something yeah. doesn't feel right. And you're only out of work just because you're a slouch. <laughs> That's the reason <laughs> like it does. Cause you're not being full human, the potential that's not the flourishing you were flourishing. You were yes. It's work. <laughs> yes, it is. That's because that's how God made us. Why? Because we're in the image of God. And when God created, what did he say? And you can say this in a, in a, uh, 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 Bruce almighty Morgan Freeman, you know, it's good. It's good. It's good. He said, and then when he said, he said, it's very good. And then, then he looked at the man and said, wait a minute, it's not good for man to be alone. But anyway, why do I do this? Because there's so many uh, untruths and myths out there because it, it because of the secular sacred divide, because it, in May time frame, churches will bring these young people who just graduated from high school who are going off to Bible college and they've given themselves over to full time Christian work and they get put on the pedestal on the stage. and We clap for them and pray for them. And then two two cues down, there's half a dozen go into the community college to study whatever they want. You've got a half a dozen guys going to study, you know, HVAC at the at the at, at, at the Votech Center. And they're not they're not applauded at all. But yet God has plans for them. So it's just it's not done right. It's not been taught. And 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 there's so much joy. Look, Jason, you know you've talked to a lot of people. Everybody has a unique story. And when God gives you a unique story, you got to share it. Mm-hmm. My unique story has been this winding of seeing God lead me through math, through ministry, through military, and surprising turns. I not where I thought I would be, you know, 40 mm. years ago, uh, 20 years ago. Um, I'm still serving. I get to wake up and participate in God's work at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, every day, and take care of soldiers and and bring my operational experience and knowledge and wisdom and and character and um, abilities to and and coach teach mentor young lieutenants and sergeants and and that's why i i get to go to work and i get paid for it and and god is using me and i have this peace and this purpose and i just want people to be encouraged and i want them to do whatever they're doing to know that they're when they walk into work they're walking on holy ground and that god is not just with them in a psalm 139 sense that's what we all need to start with i mean god is present no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, up or down or in between, God is with us. Um, so let's just like like uh, Brother Lawrence. And I'm trying to be a present day Brother Lawrence just to be if I'm washing dishes. It's the same as being on a mountaintop or praying in chapel. I am with God. I can talk to God. I talk to God whenever I'm going to a meeting as I'm walking in the building, out of the building, in the middle of a meeting. Like, Lord, what do I th- how do I think about this? What do you what do you, you know all these ministry opportunities every single day to care for people and, and so i just know the sense that god's put me right here doing a lot of stuff that you know eventually look a uh, quote uh, from the old testament prophets there will be a day when we turn our sh- plows our, our weapons swords into plowshares mm. which means the stuff that's being done at fort leonard wood to train civilians into soldiers isn't is going to stop there will not be you're right there will need for an army or a police force or hospitals in heaven because all will be made right all will be complete there'll be no sin in heaven um there's just sin here so um that's why i do this that's why i'm passionate i have this vision it's unshakable 
I want to get this message out. I want people's lives to change like mine did. Um, just to have that walk with God Monday through Friday, not just on Sunday for an hour. So good. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Russell Gerline, the author of Emmanuel Labor, God's Presence in Our Profession, a Biblical, Theological, and Practical Approach to the Doctrine of Work, where he just really goes through um, sort of, um, you know, exhaustively, step-by-step, weaving in his own story. So please give it a read. It's it's as good as any uh, any out there by Amy Sherman or any the, Keller. It, it's and I just like because you're not a professional, you know, you're you're like us. And so it's <laughs> it's forged in like experience. And that's that's why we wanted to have you come on the show. Thank you. Also, just, you know, um, Google Russell's name and you're going to find a lot of articles out there that are really helpful. So anyways, brother, thank you so much for helping us learn how to be humans. Mm. Amen. That's what the best humans we can be because Christ has changed us from the inside out. So, Jason, what a privilege, what an awesome joy to talk with you. Thank you so much for your time.